Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Well, praise the Lord. Refresh Community Church. Praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is good. And he is all the time. I I got some church folks. All the time, God is good. Amen. So glad uh, to be with you all. I want to welcome you uh, this weekend. And here at Refresh Community Church, our vision is to be a place where our hearts can be refreshed, uh, renewed, rebuilt, and restored by the presence of Jesus. So glad that you all are with us. So glad that you have chosen to worship with us uh, and are grateful that we are together uh, this weekend. Especially this is uh, the weekend of the 4th. So I know uh, that, that those of us who are with us, that y'all are loving Jesus. I don't know if y'all like me. I'm actually hopping on the road after I get done preaching, heading out to uh, to Detroit to go and get me some uh Some barbecue and Coney Island in Detroit. If you know anything about Detroit, you know what I'm talking about. You know, so that's right. That's right. Everybody everybody who know D like, hallelujah. That's right. I'll eat a couple Coney's for y'all. If you don't know, just traverse to Detroit and you'll understand. But no, I'm glad glad that we are uh, together today. We're going to be continuing um, in our sermon series um, entitled Liberated in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking at chapter 5 today, and we're walking right through the Gospel of Luke as long as the Lord gives us. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. If you're using our Pew Bibles, that's on page 861. And even if you can't find it there, it'll be on the screens for your convenience. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, and let's stand together in reverence for the Word of God. Here's the reading of the word. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed, uh, on a, bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. In amazement, seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Amen. Let me pray for us. 
Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that you have called us to yourself. God, we thank you that you are the God who has all power in your hands. And that, Father, when you came down in the incarnation, God, while you submitted that to the power of the Holy Spirit, God, you never gave up your deity, your power to forgive and to deliver us from our sins and our ailments. So, dear God, we thank you for your power, and we pray, pray that you would manifest that special power today and manifest your presence with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I just want to lift up the thought for a few minutes. The blessings of a faith-filled circle. The blessings of a faith-filled circle. And by circle, I don't mean the shape. I mean the folks that are around you. I'm talking about your circle. Um, I know we got kids here, so y'all might be thinking I'm talking about coloring. Um, but I'm talking about your circle. The blessings of a faith-filled circle. There was a gentleman who early in my Christian life became a mentor of mine. His name uh, is Bob Kirby, and we, uh, he called me. He was actually, what's interesting is that uh, with Bob, that was the first place, first person uh, that kind of seen ministerial gifts in me, and we worked together in a ministry that he founded called Incarcerated Youth Ministries, and we worked in the juvenile detention centers of Detroit going and uh, mentoring and um, uh, ministering to uh young men who had been incarcerated in Detroit. And so I worked side by side with Bob for years, and actually through him I ended up working in juvenile detentions. And it was actually with Bob that I preached, uh, I, I would say my, my official sermon, my trial sermon would come many years later, uh, but I preached to these young men all the time, and I was under Bob's leadership. He was a godly man, a lay person who just loved God and loved on these young men who are incarcerated. But Bob had a saying that always stuck out to me. I never forgot it. He would always say to me, he said, Carlos, if you have one friend that will go to the mat for you, you are blessed. And if you have two, you're doubly blessed. And he would say this all the time. He was an older man, and the more I have lived, and, you know, as a young person, uh, you have, in my mind, I'm like, I got tons of friends, especially in this era in which the idea of friend has been cheapened, right? Your friends are people who are on Facebook. You may not see these people, talk to them very often, know them very well at all, but you know a whole lot about them, and in our minds, they are friends, and they like, share, comment, post, and so our understanding of friend, whether we know it or not, has been impacted. But... I have experienced exactly what Bob was saying to me as an older man talking to a young man who was only 18 or 19 years old, that if you go through life and you find yourself with one or two people that will really go to the mat with you, you are truly blessed. But what I've also found as I've continued to go, I've kind of updated that saying from what Bob shared to not only is it people who will go to the mat for you, but who are people that will carry you when you're on the mat? You know, I've lived life long enough to find out that life has a way of putting you on the mat. You don't have to ask to be there. You don't have to set out. You don't get up in the morning asking for not life to knock you on the mat. All you got to do is keep living, and life will start lifing, and you will find yourself on a mat. You keep living, and an aberrant test result and a diagnosis from a routine doctor's appointment can put you on the mat. A meeting at work that ends in the announcement of your position being eliminated because of restructuring can land you on the mat. A stunning revelation from your spouse or your loved one detailing behaviors that you could never imagine can land you on the mat of life. A tragic phone call at 3 a.m. with heartbreaking news that can turn your life upside down can land you on the mat. And in those moments, you need people that will not only go to the mat with you, but folks who are standing upright enough to pick you up and carry you when life has knocked you on the mat. Do I got somebody who understand what I'm talking about this morning? You know, the mat can 
be a lonely place. It can be an isolating place. No one wants to really be on the mat with you. And in those moments, people of God, we need people who can bombard the throne of God on our, on our behalf, remind us of the truth of the gospel, and cry out to God for us in worship that can keep you saved. The truth of the matter is, when you think about it, let's be honest for a moment, that some of us are still saved right now because there are some people who helped carry us to Jesus when we couldn't get there ourselves. There are some times when we wanted to walk away from Jesus, tried to run away from Jesus, and we had some people who kept us there. But God has called us as his people to be folks not only who have people around us who can carry us when we are on the mat of life, but also to be people who carry our brothers and sisters when they are on the mat of life. Do I got a witness here? And so God, this morning, he shows us in this text and uh, uh, Luke chapter 5, the man on the mat. This guy is right here just laying here. Here he is. We don't know much about him. All we know is that he's paralyzed. We don't know how long he had been paralyzed, but the sense of the text is that he had been there for a long time, and this man was just laying there. In the whole text, he doesn't do nothing until he meets Jesus. He just lays there the whole time. He, just, he doesn't say anything. He has nothing to do. All he does is lay on the mat because he is paralyzed. He could not walk. We don't know why he couldn't walk. We don't know if he was born this way. We don't know if it was an accident. All we know is that the brother cannot walk. And I told you what Brother Bob told me many moons ago, that if you have one friend that'll go to the mat for you, that you're blessed. And if you have two, you're doubly blessed. But Luke and actually Mark and Matthew tells us that this man had four friends who would not only go to the mat with him, but would help carry his mat. And so this brother is blessed. We don't know why they're his friends. Here's what I can tell you for sure. You know, nowadays, if a person, even if a person has disabilities, we have structured society in such a nature that because of Judeo-Christian values that taught us the concepts of human dignity that was previously lacking in past civilizations, we now actually have protocols for caring for the broken and disabled among us. You can thank Judeo-Christian values for that. The world didn't have that back then. So I'm saying all that to say that today, or that in this this text, this brother had nothing to offer these people. He didn't have an SSI check. He wasn't getting an EBT card. He didn't have nothing to give them but his companionship. But how many of y'all have been in a place where you have landed yourself on the mat and you looked around and you had a friend or two or three who didn't want nothing from you, who you couldn't give nothing to, that you could not in any way reciprocate, and they were still right there? God. God blesses us with those types of people, and these are the kind of people that are here in some way, somehow. These four friends heard that Jesus was back at home. This account is in all three synoptic gospels, and what we find while Luke is sparse on details, when you read Matthew and Mark, you find out that Jesus was at his own house, that Jesus lived in Capernaum, uh, the house of Nahum. That's where he was, up in the northern part of Galilee. He had just came off a revival circuit that had spanned the northern part of Israel, and drove Droves of people were following him, and Jesus needed a break, so he went back home to take a nap. But you know how it is when you Jesus, folks ain't going to let you take a nap. And so they showed up at his house. 
Jesus had went home. He just wanted a quick snooze. And here they are at his front door because they heard that Jesus was back home. And the entire city, the entire hood came out, surrounded Jesus' house, and they were packed in, and they were there to hear the word. And so these friends, somehow the word got around that Jesus was in town. And the kind of friends that they were, while it was beautiful that they had stayed by his side, while it is beautiful that they had never left him, they paid him the greatest kindness that anyone can ever pay to another human, and that is to get them to Jesus. And so they picked up their friend and they carried him to Jesus. And I think that as we look at what they did, I think these, uh, these works gives us some insight into these friends, and I think it gives us some insight, most importantly, into the person of Jesus. So here's what I know. I know this is 4th of July weekend, Happy Freedom Weekend. I know, just like myself, you got barbecue plans. Yes, you do. So do I. And so I'm not going to preach long. I also know that some of us are like, Pastor Carlos, can you put a, put a move on it? Because I got my kids out here. Y'all done this July refresh thing, journey kids' clothes, and we out here. We, 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 we are. I'm out here, too. I got my three right here. I, I've told them that, hey, y'all got, hey, don't move. I'm going to preach. Not, don't move. Y'all sit right there. So I'm <laughs> no that I'm in the struggle of getting through this text in the most efficient way right with you. I'm daddying and preaching at the same time. So, <laughs> so all that to say, I don't have many things to share with you. I'm going to give you these uh, couple things that the Lord showed me from the text. We're going to go, we're going to finish parenting, we're going to eat us some barbecue, and it's going to be a beautiful 4th of July weekend. Does that sound good? All right. So here's what I seen when I looked at this text real quickly, is that when you have a faith-filled circle, and all of us who are Christians, I pray, have one, they should know Jesus' position. That's the first thought. A faith-filled circle knows Jesus' position. Look at verse 17. It says, on one of those days, as he was teaching, then it says the Pharisees and the teachers, the haters, they had resident haters. They was walking around hating on Jesus. That's what they did. And while they were hating and he was teaching, the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And my first point is simply this, that when you have a faith-filled circle, they know where to find Jesus. They know exactly where he is. Listen, I, I pray that you got folks in your life, as believers, we should have people who don't know Jesus. As people, as people of faith, we should be friends with those who are outside of the faith, those who are outside of the spectrum of what it means to walk with Jesus. And we should have relationships and familial connections with unbelievers. But let me be clear. You must have people in your life who know where Jesus is. Common grace knowledge is cool. Common grace wisdom is helpful. Self-help books have their place. But there is no substitute for people who know where to find Jesus. Because it is only Jesus who can bring about the life transformation that you need. This brother had a physical problem and a spiritual problem that we'll find out. And at best, a self-help or worldly wisdom can only help out with one of those, and it ain't the spiritual one. And so you need people who know where Jesus is. These friends knew where to find Jesus. Where do they find Jesus? They find him at his house. I already told you that. But look at what he was doing. He was teaching. Here's my first thought that I want to leave with you, that the place where you will find Jesus, and this is why you need a faith-filled circle who know Jesus, who pursue Jesus, is that you will always find Jesus somewhere near his word. Anytime you see Jesus, there's always something involving 
the Word of God. Anytime you see Jesus, it's always centered on the text. Anytime you want to find Jesus, you're going to find him near the rhema spoken logos Word of God. And this is because it is the Word of God that is the power of God unto salvation. It is the Word of God that is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the Word of God that God sends and brings about healing. It is God's Word that will not return unto him void, but will accomplish the very thing that he sent it for. Anytime you want to see and find Jesus, you will find him in his word. And look at this. Jesus is teaching in verse 17, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Listen, if you want to be healed holistically, body, soul, and spirit, it's going to come through the word of God. Anytime you need to experience God's power and his presence, it is tied to his word. But you have to have people that can point you there, that when in those moments can remind you of the gospel. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't struggle too bad personally, um, with guilt, okay? I'm good at guilt. I'm super good at feeling bad, actually. I, I don't struggle, like, I'm never that person walking around, like, you know, I just don't feel guilty enough for my sins. Uh, I, I don't feel bad enough. I need somebody to make me feel worse about who I am and what I've done. That might be your struggle, ain't mine. Where I actually need my friends most often, I don't need folks to beat up on me more. I'm exceptionally, I'm gifted, I'm prodigious and prolific at beating up on myself, Often what my friends do is remind me that the gospel is not just something that I preach to other people, but the gospel is something that applies to me too, even as a pastor. It's easy. It's easy to talk about God being good. It's easy to talk about God's grace and, and how he is merciful to people and how he forgives sinners. But there's something, at least for me, maybe you're wired differently, but for me, sometimes it's hard to remember that that same gospel applies to me as well. And so you need people who can remind you of the gospel, of the word of God, because that is where you find God's power to heal. But not only do you see that a faith-filled circle knows Jesus' position, they know where to find him, and you're going to find him near his word because that's where you get his word and his power, but a faith-filled circle persists into Jesus' presence. You see, it's cool here because they know where he is. They've located him at his house. They found him doing what only Jesus can do best, which is teaching the word and healing and bringing about shalom, wholeness, and restoration. But it wasn't easy to get into his presence. I just told you the whole hood had came out because Jesus was back at home. It was a block party. They had blocked it off. They had snow cone machines. They was living it up. They was, they was glad Jesus was home. Could you, by the way, just have you ever thought about this? Could you imagine if Jesus just lived on your street? Could you imagine that? I would probably live a, 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 like, I would probably just do daredevil stuff that I wouldn't normally do. Like, go skydiving, because if something breaks, just take me on back home. Jesus is right next door. I'll be fine. Like, stuff that I'm actually terrified of now, if Jesus lived next door, I would probably do. Like, I would be much more, I would buy a motorcycle, because if I fell off, Jesus would put me back together. He lives right next door. But anyway, Jesus back home, the crowds are around and they're trying to get their friend to Jesus, and they can't because the source of all healing for all of creation is literally in a house. He is located. Can you imagine? Think about this for a minute. It is crazy to think that the God of the universe is not on his throne overseeing, check this out, not just the world, but the entire universe and the whole time-space continuum that he exists outside of on a whole nother plane, on a whole nother realm. He is not on his throne. He is in a house. 
And of course everyone is pressing in. Of course they want to be close to him. But these friends, they come carrying their brother. And, they're, and, and I'm imagining, you know, he was paralyzed, so there wasn't a lot of strength there. He probably was heavy. And so they're carrying him, and they get there. They can't get him in because of the crowd. And so they go up to the roof. Now, this is Jesus' house. You know, I know Jesus was God in the flesh, but I don't know what kind of insurance Jesus had. I would be mad. I know a lot of us after the storms last night are thinking about insurance as we speak um, because we hear stuff like that. I'm, I'm terrified to look at the shingles on my roof right now. But these men go up on Jesus' roof. Back then, roofs were flat. They could go up by stairs. It actually served as a bit of a patio. They go up, and they punch through and cut through the mud and thicket and the thatch that would have been on his roof and let him down into there. They were persistent and pressed into his presence when there were things that would have kept him out. But what's fascinating about this, I told you that this brother was probably heavy. He was almost certainly heavy because he was a man and he was paralyzed and he didn't have a lot of strength so he couldn't assist. But as I thought about them persisting into his presence, I thought about how even though they carried this man in his weight and in his heft, they had been carrying him emotionally and spiritually long before they ever carried him physically. Have you ever been around people who have chronic illness? If you yourself have chronic illness or have been around people with chronic illness, you know that there are some good days and there are some days when it gets difficult. There are some good days and there are some days when the thought of what you can't do and the limitations that you have, when it weighs on you more than other days. And these, I already told you, were four friends who stayed with him, who persisted with him, who, when he got heavy emotionally and physically, didn't put him down. They kept carrying him emotionally. They kept encouraging him so much so that when Jesus came, they carried him up onto his roof and did exactly what they needed to do, which was what Galatians called us to do as believers, which is bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. May I submit to us, people of God, that if we are going to be the kind of people who carry people into the presence of Christ, even when they're struggling, when they're on the mat, when life has knocked them down, that we have to be persistent and we have to be patient. Let me put it to you this way. Um, it always, a quote in the scripture ain't always going to fix it. Like it, it, it just ain't. Those of us who, I wish, I wish, I wish I could tell y'all, some of y'all, this may be a revelation, but I'm telling you, if you come, you get on my calendar, you say, I want to talk to Pastor Carlos, and I sit and you tell me different things, and I, and I love doing this, by the way, like if folks want to talk to me, I'm here for that and stuff, but I wish all I had to do was quote the right, right scripture, and I could fix everything that was going on. And when we're mentoring, and we're walking with people, and we're counseling people, sometimes, people of God, we don't suffer long enough with them. We want to put them down when they get heavy. We want to put them down when it seems that their issues are intractable, when it seems like they keep falling, when it seems like they keep struggling. And you didn't quote it every memory verse you got. You didn't shot eyed and bow shot, laid hands on them, anointed them. If you don't know what that is, don't even worry about it. But those of us who know, you know. You didn't, you didn't try to fill them with the Holy Ghost yourself. And it seems like whatever got a hold on their life, it can't be broken. May I suggest to you that maybe God is calling you to do with them what he has so faithfully done with you, which is to faithfully bear your burdens when it seems like you won't get any better. Maybe it's just me, but all of us, if we're honest, you ain't got to say it now. I know it's the 4th of July. I know I'm preaching. You ain't got to say it now. But all of us got some stuff that it just seemed like years had went by and the goal, and it just ain't moved as much as we'd like. 
We, we've seen progress in this area. We've seen growth and sanctification in this area. In this area, we're doing a little better. In that area, we're growing and we're being sanctified. But it's like this one little area that here we are 20 years later and we're still fighting with the thing. You know what the thing is? Your thing might not be my thing, but we all got a thing. And we want to be impatient when we're walking with others. And God is saying, listen, I have shown you patience. I have shown you grace. And in those moments when it seemed that you just had setback after setback after setback, I didn't set you down, but I lifted you up with my grace. And so... A faith-filled circle, people that God sends in those moments when life knocks us to the mat, when we need those people and we need to be those kind of people for one another, Refresh Community Church, they know Christ's position. They know where to find Jesus. And they persist in getting that person into Jesus' presence. They don't give up quickly on them. But lastly, we see that a faith-filled circle experiences Jesus' power. Now look, Y'all just, sometimes I read the Bible, and there are so many moments where I'm like, wow, y'all should be glad I'm not Jesus. Because I wish somebody would just show up to my house and punch a hole in my roof. Just, just, do, are y'all roofers? Can y'all fix this? Are you, like, who are, like, I would have so many other questions. Like, you know, a God of the universe and everything. Yeah, I know I can speak and recreate it, but that's not the point right now. It's the principalities in this. It's principalities. And you didn't put a hole in my roof, and I know I can recreate it, but you're going to fix it. That's what I would have said, okay? I know that I would have got to the paralyzed man later, because they would have been, hey, yo, y'all need to go ahead and run down to Home Depot, get yourselves some, get yourselves some shingles, take care of that problem you just caused in my house. Don't care what you need. I'll take care of that. Fix my roof. But as we all know and probably have concluded, I'm not Jesus, and we should all be glad about that. And so we get these people who experience Christ's power. The Bible says that they punch a hole, cut a hole. Whatever they did, they got through Jesus' roof. They lowered their friend down who life, circumstances, being in a fallen world, an accident, we don't know what, but I'm glad we don't know what because I think we can just place ourselves right on that mat. He lowered him down and got him in Jesus' presence. After finding Jesus and persisting and being patient and carrying him and bearing his burdens, they put him before Jesus. And the Bible says in verse 20, it says, when he, when Jesus saw their faith. This is why I call it the Sermon of Faith-Filled Circle, because Jesus heals this man, restores this man, not just because of the man's faith, but because of the faith of his friends. Jesus sees the faith of the whole group and says, because you have faith and your four friends have faith. And he saw their faith, not just by what they said, by what they did. They had so much trust in Jesus that they were willing to risk making Jesus upset. They didn't know whose roof that is, but they were willing to take the risk of dragging this man, punching through the roof to lure him before Jesus. And it says Jesus saw that as an act of faith an act of trust, an act of confidence. They realized that whatever they had to do, they had to get him before Jesus. And so he saw this demonstration of faith. And he said, you have demonstrated your faith, so now I'm going to demonstrate my power. And let me be clear, people of God, there is a unique manifestation of the power of the presence of God, of the anointing of God, that yes, he will give you in your private prayer closet. Yes, he will give you in those moments of seeking his faith. But there's a special manifest presence of God that only comes when two or three are gathered together and are touching and agreeing and are crying out for God's presence. This 
is why from the Old Testament times up till now that God manifests his power in a unique way in the gathered people of God. There is something about God's people being together, united in faith, crying out for God to move that releases his power and his presence in a unique way. And God says that I have seen your faith and so now I'm going to release my power. Now listen, this sermon, yes, it is encouraging us to be, to walk together in covenant, to have covenant field friends, but I also don't want us to get us confused because this sermon is ultimately about Jesus and who he is. This is about the person of Jesus. This is about the power of Jesus. This is about the prerogative of Jesus. And the friends function only as a means to point us towards the glory of Jesus. You see, in this text, we see the person of Jesus. Look at this, verse 20. It says, when he saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, and you know, I read it as like, man, <laughs> but it's actually a term of respect in Greek. It's like, man, you know, but <laughs> like, hey, bro, <laughs> your sins have been forgiven you. And, you know, of course, the people get all worked up. In verse 21, the scribes and Pharisees, your resident Jewish haters, they say, uh, they begin to question, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, it's a valid question, though. I mean, they're haters, true enough, but they're also right, okay? Who alone can forgive sins but God alone? Now, now listen, the issue wasn't that Jesus said your sins have been forgiven. They would actually hear that when they went to the temple and offered a sacrifice. They would say, God has forgiven your sins because you offered a sacrifice. The issue here is that they're outside of the temple. They're outside of a sacrificial system, and he doesn't appeal to a higher power at all. He says, I see your faith, and I forgive your sins. This, And so they ask the right question but don't like the answer they get. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly, God alone. And so Jesus reveals in a veiled way or not so veiled way that he has the power and he is the second person of the Trinity to forgive sins. And then I, I like this because he shows who he is. He shows his deity, but he answers them. He says he perceived his thoughts, that he perceived their thoughts. He, he heard what they were thinking. And he says, why are you questioning in your hearts? Then he says something that's hilarious. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? What are you saying? If I say your sins are forgiven you, you can't tell whether that's true or not. But if I say rise up and walk, then you might know exactly who I am. And so he said, which one is easier? He said, but that you might know. I don't, I don't want y'all to be confused about who's talking to you. I'm going to be a little stuntastic for a minute. I want you to rise up and walk. And the man gets up and walks. Right then, he didn't wait. He didn't do any treatment. It wasn't any medical breakthrough. There were new, no new treatment systems. Because of the person, the power, and what I also like is the prerogative. He says, I have the authority. That word means there, I can do it whenever I feel like it. Because of the person, power, and prerogative of Jesus, he brings holistic restoration to this man. I, I like this because Jesus says, listen, Brother, you got a spiritual problem. You think your biggest problem is your physical one. Yes, I know that you are paralyzed. Yes, I know this has limited your economic mobility. Yes, I know that it means that your relationships are strained. And that is not your biggest problem. The sermon is not about this, but while I'm in the neighborhood, let me tell you, you may look at your felt needs and the things that are going on in your life and the ways that you are struggling and even your health struggles and challenges. And what God has to say is that that is actually not your biggest problem. The felt need, it's not that I don't care about it, I'm going to get to it, but I want you to know that your biggest issue is always going to be your relationship with me. Have, 
Have your sins been forgiven? Have you been reconciled by the gospel of Christ? Have you been sanctified? Have you been justified? Are you looking towards just us, uh, glorification when you will stand renewed in my presence? Have you experienced the resurrection power of Jesus? But he says, I'm not limited. Yes, the spiritual is your primary issue. Yes, your uh, relationship with me is your primary issue. But I'm not limited to just the spiritual because I made it all. And so you may know that I got full authority and power over the spiritual. I'm going to let you know through the natural. Why don't you just get up and walk? And so, the man, and so Jesus meets his physical needs so that we know that Jesus, that God, is ambidextrous when it comes to his blessings. He can give us the fullness of his blessings and his spiritual, in the spiritual places in Christ Jesus. And he can bless you right here, right now, in time, in space, with blessings, with abundance, with healing, with wholeness, with restoration, with shalom. And so this is the God that we serve here. And so, my friends, I want to encourage you all that we want to be a people and we want to have in our life those of us who know Jesus' position, a, a faith-filled circle of people who are around us who know Jesus' position, who will persist into Christ's presence. We want people who can walk with us, who can carry us there, but we also want to be those kind of brothers and sisters, Refresh, that do that with one another. We want to be a church that when we stand and we take our church covenant and we pledge to walk with one another and pledge to disciple one another and hold one another accountable, that we are willing to persist and be patient as we walk with each other. And I believe that if we do those things, we will be a people who experiences the power that Jesus Christ only releases in a, a covenant community that is united and focused on his person, on his power, and on his prerogative. Let me pray for us. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you because you are good. God, we thank you for your person. God, we thank you that when you put on flesh and you came down, that God, you, you might have emptied yourself of the worship that you received, but God, you didn't, interrupt, you didn't empty yourself of your power, that your full essence, your full deity, the full power of the Godhead came to bear in one little place in space and time. And so, God, I, I thank you that these people were blessed so that we could be blessed. God, I thank you for the healing of the paralytic man because the healing of the paralytic man reminds us that you heal right now in this time, in this space, that you are Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, God, we thank you for your person. We thank you for your power. And we thank you for your prerogative to, to bless us whenever you feel like it. Father, I pray that you would cause us now as your people to be a faith-filled circle for one another. Father, some of us are on the mat. Life has knocked us down. God, we didn't, some of us, if we're honest, we know it's 4th of July and all these good celebratory moments, but God, we didn't call some haymakers all year from life. And Father, we need you. But God, not only do we need you, God, we need one another. So Father, I pray for each and every believer here that, God, you would surround us with brothers and sisters who know you, who are filled with faith, who are filled with your spirit, who, are, who love you. But, God, who are, who are patient with us, who are also gentle with us, will, will give us the nudge and the kick in the pants when we need it, but also remind us of your grace and your gospel. Father, we all need a circle, not just of people who have mutual interests, but we need a circle of people who can get us to Jesus when life knocks us down. Give us those people and call us to be those people for others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.